Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. Man, well, look at your neighbor this morning and say, you look like you've lost some weight. Have you lost some weight? Come on. Lie to them if you have to. We'll repent for lying at the end of the service. Amen. Well, how many of y'all came in faith today? Come on, how many of y'all came in faith today? I'm starting at 9.15. Blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be asked to return. Amen. Well, we've been in this, we've been in this uh, series. I, I'm probably going to do a little more teaching again today. Y'all be back next week. Uh, we're going to be kicking off some stuff on some relationships. How many of y'all know relationships are important to the Lord? And if you act like a bonehead in your relationship, you're going to have a boneheaded relationship. And so uh, we're going to talk about those things. But today I'm excited because we are going, faith's in the room. I tell you what, faith's in me. Faith's in Gabe. Faith's in Pastor Robert. I encourage you, if you don't have faith this morning, grab a hold of it. You'll get some faith today. Uh, I also, too, before we get started, I want to invite all of you tomorrow. We are going to be celebrating the life of Miss Dora Hurd. Uh, is a faithful member here at Arena of Life, and uh, she went home to be with the Lord. Was that on Tuesday? On Wednesday. And so uh, please lift up the family. Uh, Richard, her son, is right here on the second row. And we're going we're gonna to celebrate big, Miss Dora, all right? And so, uh, church family, I want to invite you to that. Well, we've been in this series called When He and You. Uh, not and you, but when he, you. How I many of y'all know Christ lives in us, and because of what he, he did, we get, we get to do what we do, right? And so uh, he says, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. Actually, he says it in this order. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And we, over the last, since the beginning of the year, we've been looking at the life of Jesus on how he gave on how he prayed, and on how he fasted. The first 10 days out of the year, we set it aside and we fasted. We disconnected from the world. We came together. In fact, together, we're going to come together tonight, and we're going to corporately pray as well. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to connect to God in prayer that way. But we disconnected from the world and, and connected to God in prayer. But it also says, when you Give And so that's what we're going to do today. And if you were here last week, I gave the state of the church. I talked about where we've been, where we are, and where we need to go. How many of y'all know we're still going some places? How many of y'all know we're not going to stand still, but we're going some places? Choo-choo-ka-choo. We're on the train. We're on the steamboat. We are going some places. If you want a, you want a dead, stagnant church, I'm sure Amarillo is full of them. All right? But not at Arena of Life. We're going to make a difference. We're going to connect to God. We're going to connect to church. And we're going to connect to people. Can I get an amen from Arena of Life? Uh, the vision of this house. And so, uh, uh, but today, I do want to tell you this. We're going to take up a faith offering. And it's over and above the tithe. And uh, we do this one time a year. We did it last year. Can I tell you, last year when we did this, we paid off a building. You know what I'm believing God for? We're going to pay off another building. We might as well pay off two buildings, so let's just get after it this morning. Amen? I believe with God all things are possible. But, but over the years when we've done this faith offering, it's over and above the tithe. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, a tithe is 10%. So if you make $3,000 a month, your tithe is $300. 
So it's not, if, if today you brought that $300 to give into this faith offering, that, it, that is not an offering, that's a tithe. It's over and above that. And so that's what we're going to do today with, with this faith offering, and we're going to believe God to pay off some things. I remember years in the past where Pastor Ty came up here, and we had a faith offering to, to raise some money for our children's church. We did an we extensive, uh, how much was that remodel? It was so long ago, but it was a lot of money, and you guys played a part in that. Just think about the people that, 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 that gave in that faith offering of all the, all the boys and girls that gave their life to the Lord, all the boys and girls that came up that, that had a rough home, that their lives were turned around, that were introduced to the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about all the boys and girls that have been affected. Come on, isn't God good? Isn't that awesome? That I got to play a part of that. I, got to, I mean, that's the plus side to it, but I said in morning prayer the other day, uh, I give because God called me to do it. The church could set it on fire for all I care. I know that I'm obedient with what God has called me to do. And when I do what God has called me to do, I'm telling you, God blesses. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I, I remember a time where Pastor Ty came and he, he said, uh, hey, we, uh, what had happened was, as I was here at the church, Excel Energy came and said, if you guys change out all your lights to LED, we will... Um, <clears throat> we'll, we'll help you. But one thing, it was all the, all the lights in the parking lot, but we wanted to, to, to do it down. Uh, they said, for, in order for it to work, when you turn on um, the electricity down at the arena, it, is, it, it slows us down at SBS. It's like one of those movies where the whole world... All them halogen bulbs. And so uh, they said, in order to do it, so we got several bids. It was like $70,000. But they said, if you pay half, we'll pay half. And Pastor Ty, we came in here, <clears throat> took up a faith offering, and raised all $40,000 to change all of these LED lights out. I'm telling you, before that, our Excel energy bill was like 5G a month. And because of that, now we got it down just to 2000 And sometimes in the summer, 3000 But isn't it got good? And that, that's great, right? That's being a steward of money. And so, <clears throat> if you're a visitor, I just want to tell you this. I'm sorry. We don't do this. Right away, you're probably thinking, all, I, every time I go to church, all they talk about is money. I promise you, you can ask all these people in here, oh, that's not all I talk about. It's, it's one time of the year that we do this. In fact, if we were all about money, I, I said this the other morning in prayer, but I'm going to say it again. If we were all about money, I would, we would treat church like a wrestling event. You know what we do at a wrestling events? They're all about money. We would, you would pay to park. You'd pay to get in the door. You'd pay for free child care. You'd pay to, for your kids to eat. We would, we would run it like this. The people who pay their tithes and offerings, they would get air conditioning, Doug. But the ones who don't, they don't get air conditioning. Right? Some of y'all are, I, this, is a, this is funny, y'all. You can laugh, all right? <clears throat> Amen? But we don't do that. We aren't all about money. I'm telling you this. If you said, you know what? I, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to tithe. Hey, that is on you. I'm telling you, the church will provide. I, I mean, God will provide for the church is what I'm saying. Amen? I believe that with all my heart. But I'd like to be a part of something that God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'm telling you, if you don't believe me, I'm, I will tell you this with all confidence. The church is more powerful than any club out there. The church is more powerful than the government. Amen? Amen? Come on. 
I believe in the, I believe in the church. And so to talk about this, I definitely wanted to talk about Jesus, but this last week I've read through First and Second Samuel. I love First and Second Samuel. I absolutely love it. And as I've read, as I've been reading through this, because I've just had this stirring in my heart, I, I can already tell you right now I have a series coming from pasture to palace, talking about David. But I love the story of David. You know, I love David because I think all of us can feel like David at times, right? David, I mean, you read the story, there's lots of drama. How many of y'all have drama in your life? Well, David did too. If you don't have your hand up, you are a liar, and we're going to repent about that here in just a little bit, all right? Uh, it has money. It has power. It has sex. It has, it, it's a dramatic story, but it's such a good story. But listen to what the Bible says. A thousand years later from Luke in the book of Acts, this is what he writes about David. And when he had removed him, he raised him up unto them, David, to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Right away, I tell you this, isn't it something that a thousand years later that the Holy Spirit would inspire a doctor to write about David? That I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. You know what I would like for people to desire 500 years down the road about, say about Travis Bennett, that, that God found him even in a messed up family and he had, he had a heart after the Lord. How many of y'all want a heart after the Lord? How many of y'all want God's heart? How many of y'all sick of your rotten, no good, counterfeit heart and you want the heart of God? I'm telling you, I want the heart of God. What I love about this text, he said, I have found David. Aren't you thankful that God found you? Come on, who's in here today can say this, you know what, God always pursued after me. No matter how many people I hurt, no matter how many people I stole from, I, I messed up on my family, I messed up on my friends, I messed up on society, I messed up in my culture, but I'm here to tell you that God didn't look at all those things. He didn't have a rap sheet of all the rights and all the wrongs that I did. He forgave me as far as the east is from the west, and God always pursues after me, and he pulled me out of the miry clay, and he set me on a rock to stand. I'm trying not to preach this morning, but aren't you thankful that God found you? Come on, who can say this this morning, that God found you? You were messed up, a lying, cheat, no good, counterfeit. I mean, a punk to society, and God found you. Aren't you thankful for that? And then I love it that he said, I found David, the son of Jesse. Aren't you thankful that he found you even over your family? Come on, some of y'all should amen louder than you are right now. But how many of y'all have those people inside of your family? They, they've like made, on, they've been on audition on cops several times. You just don't tell nobody. You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> like Jimmy's family, I'm pretty sure they're like in the cartel somewhere in Italy right now. All right? I'm pretty sure of that. Hey, but see, I knew he would testify to that. But aren't you thinking that he found you? I love it that he said, son of Jesse, that even though you were the son of somebody that was not good to the world, I'm telling you, God found you over your last name. When nobody else would hire you, God says, I want you. Isn't that good stuff? All right. He said, a, a man after mine own heart. Before I get started, I just want to talk about some highlights that I love about David. Like I said this last week. 
I've read through First and Second Samuel, and man, the Lord just showed me so many different things. And I think it's appropriate today as we take up this faith offering that we talk about him. But number one is this. He's from the tribe of Judah. He's from the tribe of Judah. There's 12 tribes. You know the story from the beginning of the book in Genesis where, where Jacob, he has 12 sons. At the very end of Genesis, he basically writes uh, the birthright to the son of Judah. And he said, out of your lineage will birth a lion. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5, it says about Jesus that he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. How many of y'all know that Jesus is coming back for the church as a lion? The lion of the tribe of Judah. And so we see in David, in his lineage, that uh, we see Boaz and we, we see all kinds of greats that we read throughout the scripture. But Judah, uh, and, and in his reign, I believe, it, I believe it's this. In his family, David's family, he did such a good job setting some things up, even though he went through so much drama with his kids. But they followed in daddy's footsteps for 400 years. This boy that was from Bethlehem. He was, he, I found Jesse. I want you to think about this. Son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. 400 years until I think, uh, I think Nebuchadnezzar uh, took that over and changed that. But he was from Bethlehem. That's another interesting fact about David. Number two, he was the youngest of seven brothers. Um, last week we talked about the importance of number. Number seven, it's completion, right? He was the seventh one. You know the story of when, when, when God goes to Samuel and he says, I want you to anoint a new king. If you've never read the text, I, I encourage you to read First and Second Samuel. It's better than watching the Mari Povich show, I promise you. But he says, I want you to anoint a new king. And, and, and Samuel says, well, who is it? He goes, go to Jesse's house. And he goes to Jesse's house, and there's six boys there, all the six oldest. And he's looking through them, and he says, do you not have another one? He says, my other one is tending sheep. He's the seventh one. He is the youngest one. And God tells Samuel right there, and I believe it's something for all of us, God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. It's not the outside of a cup that defiles a man. It's on the inside of, of the cup that defiles a man. It's the things that are on the inside. He said, you know what? You may see someone as scrawny, as the youngest, as the littlest, but it's what's on the inside. Amen? It's something on the inside that's doing all, something on the outside. How many of y'all know it's something inside of your spirit that will affect something inside of your body? And God is painting a picture not only through the Old Testament but the New Testament. I don't look on outward appearance. I look at the heart. He's the youngest of seven brothers. Here's another interesting fact. He was God's anointed one. So when it comes time for him to be uh, <clears throat> selected to be the king of Israel, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, 12, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. New King James, or maybe New Living Testament, says, For this is the one. Listen what else it says in verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil. An interesting fact about this, the first king of Israel, when he was anointed to be king by the prophet Samuel, he was anointed by a flask of oil, but David was anointed by a horn of oil. I'm telling you, the difference in that is this. There was a difference in their leadership. Saul, he messed up. He was, he, 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 he was talented, and at one time he was close to the Lord, but that power got inside of his head. But you know what the difference was? It was the same anointing, but where it came from. One came from something that had died. The other one was man-made. I'm telling you, for you to live a life that is successful, something's got to die in you. It's called sacrifice. You've got to die to the old man if you're going to live in success. 
And so he was <clears throat> anointed by that horn of oil, anointed him the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. From that day forward, so Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Here's another, the fourth thing. He was a giant killer. How many of y'all know, we all know the story of David and Goliath? Goliath was nine foot, six inches tall. He says he may be big, but he's not bigger than my God. Here's another thing. Uh, uh, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. So during that time, he is king. He lives high on the hog. In fact, that's where we get that term, was living high on the hog. During those days, the king would live at the highest place in the city. And he was at the highest form place. When all the men were out at battle, David looked out from his porch and saw a splish splash. She was taking a bath all about a Saturday night. How many of y'all know it was a blessing for him to see that naked woman the first time? Amen, I should, I should get an amen from all the men right there. All right? That was a blessing. It, it, it's funny. You can laugh. It was a blessing. How I many of y'all know it was a curse when he went back and looked? See, it wasn't a choice the first time. It was a choice the second time. And when it was a choice, it became a curse over his life. You know the rest of the story. And what I love about this, this was, listen to the story. He, this was a man after God's own heart. That he made mistakes and he did things that he wished he wouldn't have done. In fact, from there, one mistake, one lie led to another lie. He calls, so the lie of him going back the second time, he calls Bathsheba up to his room. He sleeps with her. She becomes pregnant. He calls for Uriah to come home. He tries to stage this whole thing that it wasn't his because he said, Uriah, go and sleep with your wife. Lincoln, it looked like it would be his baby. But he says, no, king, I will serve you here. I'm supposed to be with my brothers, but I will stay here, king, since you called me home. And then David does another lie. He puts him out in the front of the battle, and he gets him killed. He loses, and, and David ended up losing the baby. But the reason I tell you all of this, of all these different facts and highlights about David's life, still the Bible says a thousand years later. How many of y'all know that is a major mess up? He committed murder. It was innocent blood. But still the Bible says, I found David. The son of Jesse, a man after God's own heart. Aren't you thankful that even though I can think of all the times that I've messed up and I've really, truly done the wrong thing, that God can still say about me, Travis is a man after God's own heart. Come on, you ought to give God praise this morning about that. But there's some things that I want you to write down this morning. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write some notes anyway. Write this down. He was the heart of a shepherd. In 1 Samuel 16, 11, if we're going to get this, uh, uh, why he said this about David, there's some things that I want you to see. And number one, he was the heart of a shepherd. In 1 Samuel 16, 11, when Saul asked for the youngest, Jesse said he was keeping his father's sheep. He had that heart of a shepherd. In 1 Samuel 17, 15, when all the men were now at the war at, at, uh, uh, up against Goliath, up against the Philistines, he brings a carton of cheese and milk and different things to serve uh, his brothers and serve the military. But the Bible says he went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep. How many of y'all know that he had the heart of a shepherd because he, was, he said, you know what? I really want to kill this giant, but I've got to take care of the things that God has made me responsible for. How many of y'all know we've got to take care of the things that God has made us responsible for? Like if you get really good at your job and everybody loves you, but you fail as a parent, you have failed in life. 
Amen? And so uh, he was responsible. He fed, he led, he protected. The Bible says this, that he killed a lion and bear. Oh, my. When he was tending after his father's sheep. But then, listen to this. I never saw it like this, but the Lord kind of showed me this this week. As the heart of a shepherd, he killed the lion and the bear for the sheep. But then when he comes into the place of leadership on the battlefield to kill Goliath, uh, when he killed Goliath, he was shepherding the land of Israel already because he was anointed to be king. Amen? Because he was saying, you know what, I protect the lion and the bear for these sheep, but I'm going to kill any giant that gets ahead of us because I'm protecting the people of Israel, God's chosen people. See, he already had the heart of a shepherd because Samuel, before he went to the battlefield, Samuel had anointed him. How many of y'all know the anointing breaks the yokes and bondages of sin and death? How many of y'all know just because your anointing is on your life doesn't mean that you are going to have to be proven to all the things? See, when he got anointed, I'm sure he thought, well, everything's going to, you know, favor, open doors. No, he still had to put his hand to the plow. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. He had the heart of a servant. He served his daddy, obviously in the fields, taking after the sheep. He served his family. How many of y'all know somebody after their God's own heart? We've got to serve our families. Daddies, you need to serve your family. Mama, you need to serve your family. If it doesn't look that, like that with children, the Bible says this, honor your father and mother. I don't care how old you are. How many of y'all believe we ought to honor our father and mother? Doesn't mean we need to set ourselves up for failure if there's a place there that uh, uh, is against the word of God, but we're still to honor them. The Bible says this, that he served the military. He shows up to give them we, uh, 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 cheese and wine and, and all kinds of other different stuff. King James, uh, a list of things because his daddy, see his daddy taught him honor. How many of y'all know we ought to honor our military? How many of y'all, we ought to serve our military? On top of that, we ought, people that were protecting the land, we ought to serve our sheriff's department. We ought to serve our police department. That's making a difference right here in Amarillo, Texas. He served the military. He served his leader, Saul. Even though, if you know the story, Saul was after him because he was jealous of him. But every time he had an opportunity, and if you ask me, he sh- this is me in my flesh, he should have killed Saul. He had every opportunity to kill Saul, but God put it in, my, in his heart that this is the leader over me, and I will serve him to the day that he dies. Here's another thing that he did. He served Israel. You can see that in the text. In fact, 2 Samuel 7, 8, and this ain't the only place that it says it. It says in Chronicles twice. But it says, now and go to say hey, to my servant David. He's talking to Nathan here to say this to David. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. Can I tell you where you go from this place in the organization to this place in the organization? From being in the pasture to now being in the palace? Service. Serve where God has called you to be. It may be something small, but how many of y'all know the Bible says be faithful in the little things and God will promote you to the bigger things? And when I read the the story of David, yes, there was an anointing on his life, but you know what? Wherever he was, he served to the best of his ability. Here's the next one. He had the heart of a worshiper. The heart of a worshiper. I'm telling you, you want a heart after God, you better get a heart of worship on the inside of you. 
The Bible says he served, he would go into uh, Saul's court when, when tor- he would be tormented by a spirit. He would play the harp for him. In fact, the Bible tells us this in 1 Samuel 16, 18 of all the things about him. And the Amplified, one of the young men said, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, whatever, who, it's like saying he was like a Texan, but he was from Bethlehem, so he was a Bethlehem, <laughs> who plays skillfully, isn't that something? Who plays skillfully. You know what I think of whatever it is, that talent that God has given you, you ought to be the best at that talent. Amen. Amen? He's skillfully a valiant man, a man of war, prudent in speech, and eloquent, and an attractive person, and the Lord was with him. So he played skillfully, and he would come play the harp for Saul. How many of y'all know he was a skillful warrior? But they said, hey, skillful warrior, also good at playing the harp. You should come over here. Isn't that a heart of service? That's a heart of a servant. He, I know that he had the heart of, 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 of worship because he wrote half of the Psalms that we read. How many of y'all love Psalm 23? Come on, how many of y'all love Psalm 23? Isn't it good? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, who's ready to dwell in the house of the Lord forever? You think he wrote that from a place of just himself? No, he wrote that from a place of spending time with God and he knew what God was all about. A time of worship. He wrote Psalm 1611, in God's presence is fullness of joy. He wrote uh, uh, Psalm 34 where it says, I was young and now I'm old, but yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken and yet in God's seed begging for bread. But literally, if you read the story of David, he, you could think with any eyes that he was forsaken, that he was all alone. But he said that, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. Come on, in this good stuff this morning? He had the heart of a worshiper. Another thing that he did was the Ark of the Covenant. So when Saul was king, Jerusalem was taken over where the Ark of the Covenant was. If you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant does is it's where the presence of God dwelt. But when David became king, he, 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 uh, one of the things that he did was uh, he took over the city, what they called the city of David, but I believe was Zion, right, Pastor Robert? And he wanted to bring it from Abinadab's house, and he wanted to bring it there. Well, you got to read the story because the man touches uh, uh, the cart that they made for that. And, and the Lord's anger struck it because they were still living under the Old Testament laws. And, and God struck him down. Listen, unclean hands in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he died. And so David, he gets offended. I don't know why he would get offended, but he got offended. And so they said, you know what we're going to do is we're going uh, to take the ark here and we're going to put it at Obed-Edom's house. But the Bible says... When the presence of God was at Obed-Edom's house, everything that he had prospered. If you want to prosper, you better get in the presence of God. So he says, I've got to get over myself, and I need the presence of God right here next to me. So I'm bringing it to the city of David. And the Bible says he danced 
and danced and danced when the presence of God came into the city. In fact, his wife thought he was so nutty. She said, you are undignified. I'm telling you, I refuse to say that I bring more praise to a football game or a rodeo run than I do to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, we ought to dance. Amen? Better than 50 cent at the halftime show, hanging upside down. Can I get an amen? The Bible says David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with his linen ephod. Here's another thing that David had. He had the heart of a warrior. He killed the lion and he killed the bear. He killed Goliath. But the Bible says this in 1 Samuel 18, the bride price for one of Saul's wives was 204 skins from Philistines. That's intense. I figured I would have heard from all the men, like sucking in air. But what was Saul doing? He was already jealous of David. He knew that he would be get get killed but David got his men together and he came in with a bag of 204 skins and said I killed them do you have another assignment for me in fact the Bible tells us in 2nd Samuel chapter 8 he won many battles over the Philistines he had the heart of a warrior another one is this he had the heart of a king he was Israel's greatest king, if you ask me, if we're not talking about the king of kings and the Lord of lords. In fact, another thing is this. The second most person that's talked about in the Bible is David oh, uh, under Jesus. Because Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? But he was Israel's greatest king. Second Samuel 5 says he was the king over all of Israel at the age of 30. Meaning this, when Saul died, half of Israel, it was split. He took over Judah's side. The other side went to Ishbosheth, which was uh, 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 Saul's son. But over time, Ishbosheth, he died. And Israel was then taken all back in unity together. And David took kingship over it at the age of 30. He expanded the nation of Israel both with people, but also with military might. One of the greatest things as a king that he did was this, is he pointed the people of Israel to God. The next thing is this. I have two more points, and we're going to be done. He had the heart of sacrifice. One of my favorite stories is in 2 Samuel chapter 24. And I encourage you to go read it. Write it down, 2 Samuel 24. But there's a census that's given to the people. God gives this census, and he says, I want you to count all the people of the land. Now, during this time, this is something that God would do, and the reason that he did it was is for the king to know uh, how many people were there, but, but there was rules to it. They were not to count any of the men that fought in the battles, just the women and the children. Because if the king knew how many people they had, uh, men of war, they would think it was something that they did, not what God does. They would rely on their own power rather than the power of God. And so he goes to his right-hand man, and he goes to Joab, and he says, Hey, Joab, would you, would you go count these people? The Bible says it takes him nine months and six days to get it done. And he comes back to David, and he says, We have 800,000 men of war in Judah and 500,000 men of war uh, in the land of Israel. Isn't that a lot? And so Joab gives him this census, census of war. And, and, and right away he remembers, I should have told him. Well, actually, I did tell him, the women and children, and he knew that he messed up. 
Well, Gad, his seer, comes to him and it says this. He says, uh, or God tells Gad the seer, and he says, you need to give David three choices. And he goes to David, and he says, you're having three choices because of your mess up. Aren't you thankful that we don't live under Old Testament rule? Where he said, you know what? You wrote that on Facebook? I'm going to give you three choices. This is what's going to happen. The first one was this. They're going to have seven years of famine in the land. Or you can have the second choice of for three months, all of your enemies will pursue you. Or you can have the third choice, for three days there will be a pestilence in the land. And he said, I don't want my enemies pursuing after me. I want to rip the band-aid off. Let's do the three days. And so there was a pestilence that came into the land. And when this pestilence came in, the Bible says that it killed in three days 70,000 people that quick. I mean a heavy pestilence. Uh, 70,000 men died. And so Gad comes to him and says, you've got to give an offering to the Lord. You've got to repent of these things. And there is a threshing floor at uh, Arunah's house, the Jebusite. And the Bible says that they're on their way there, that Arunah sees him. He comes and meets him. And he says, God has told me that I'm supposed to have this threshing floor and I'm supposed to sacrifice to the God of the Hebrews, the King of Kings, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. And Arunah tells him this. He says, Everything that I have, you can have it. He said, you can have the oxen. If you need my oxen, you can sacrifice there. You can have the threshing floor. It's all yours because, king, you're the ruler over me. And I love the answer that David gives right here in 2 Samuel 24. And he easily could have done that, but he doesn't do it. In 2 Samuel 24 and verse 23, it says, I will give it all to you. This is Arunah speaking to David. Your majesty, may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. But verse 24 says... But the king replied to Arunah, No, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that has cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. Can I tell you this? Everything that you have has cost you something. Can I tell you this? Everything that you have has cost you something. It costs you something. Your entertainment, it costs you something. The things that are good, the things that are bad, it costs you something. And David said this, I'm not going to give anything to God that ain't going to cost me something. Isn't that something to live by? I'm not going to give worship to God that ain't going to cost me something. I'm not going to give prayer to God that ain't going to cost me something. Because I believe this, give and it will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give unto your bosom. You may have lost that time for a second, but God will multiply that time back into your life. I'm telling you, I want to be that person that says, I, if I'm giving to God, it's going to cost me something. You know what I did this morning? To the kids, what we did to the kids, because we came prepared to give this morning. I told the kids what we're gonna what we're gonna give. And Catch said this, no, give it to me. What did he say? No, no, he said, no, that's my money, is what he said. How rude, huh? He's still learning. Y'all pray for Catch. All right. And when I get home, I'm gonna give him three choices. But the reason that we tell our kids that, and today I, I went over to Addison and I said, you know why we told you that amount? It's because I want you to see what God does. When it costs us something, God always multiplies it bigger than we can even imagine. And I want my children to see it. Amen? Here's the next thing. He had the heart of a giver. John, if you want to go ahead and come and play. 
He had the heart of a giver. In 1 Chronicles 17, I love this story. I believe he's sitting in there and he's just reflecting on his life of how good God has been to him. God's forgiven him. God set him up. I'm sure he's eating the fatted calf inside of his home there. And he has Nathan the prophet with him. And he says, he, he says to Nathan, he said, I sit in the house of cedar and I can hear his heart. As I've read through Psalms, I can hear his heart. That he's almost heartbroken. That he says, I sit in the house of cedar. Got this beautiful home. We got kids coming in and out of here, grandkids coming out of here, eight wives. But yet I look down the hill and I see the house of the Lord and it's in a tent. Like I can feel his heart. Why am I sitting high on the hog and the, the one who's given it to me all lives inside of a tent? He said, God used me to build you a house. But not just a house, an amazing house. One full of gold and silver. All the things that you've given me, I'll give it all up to give to you. It's like the story of the Good Samaritan. What I have, what is mine is not mine, but I'm going to give it. See, what I have is all because of the Lord. So he tells Nathan that. Nathan, I'm sure, goes to bed and he comes back. He hears from God and Nathan says, The Lord is pleased that you want to build him a house. But the Lord wanted me to tell you no. Don't you hate it when God says no? I mean, let's just be honest. I hate it when God tells me no. Nobody tells me no. I'm sure David's thinking this. God, you have favored me. Like as I have honored people, you've opened up the door of favor in everywhere in my life. And God, I want to do this to you, but yet, you're not going to allow me to do it. But God tells him, no, I'm sorry, I, I can't let you do it. And here's the reason, it's because you've been a man of war and you've shed lots of blood. And I've read many contexts in this. I think we ought to look at the literal text of it. But I... I, I, I I believe it was this. It wasn't just blood. It was innocent blood. I don't think. I believe, according to Romans, that men of war protecting their country is a righteous act. I believe that. And I believe that it was that he had shed blood. I believe that he had shed innocent blood when he killed Bathsheba, um, Uriah. When he killed Uriah. I believe that's the context of the scripture there. But the bottom line is this. He told him no. How many of y'all know this? But he says, you can't build the temple, the house of, the God, house, of, house of God. But I want you to prepare your son to build it. How many of y'all know there's times that God tells us no? But God is preparing up somebody else to take the torch. It's not that he's telling you no. It, with every no, there's a yes. Listen, God can tell me no all he wants to for the anointing on Addison's life. God can tell me no all he wants to for the anointing on Anson's life. God can tell me no all he wants to. But here's the deal. He made the universe. He knows what's right and what's wrong. He can tell me no if he wants to tell me no. But God, so he, he, he tells him, no, he said, this is what I want you to do. 
He, son, he said, your son will do it. And in 2 Chronicles 29, and this is where we're coming to an end, he said, so with all my ability, in this story of David Good, now I'm just telling you just the bits and pieces. I'm telling you the story of David is awesome. So with all my ability, I have provided for the house of my God the gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, as well as onyx stones and stones be inlaid, stones of anemone, and the stones of various colors, and all the kind of precious stones and alabaster in abundance. Moreover, because I delight in the house of my God, the treasure that I have of gold and silver, I give to the house of God in addition to all that I have already provided for the holy house. He said, namely, 3,000 talents of gold for the, for the gold of Ophir and so 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the buildings. Gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver. That is for all the work to be done by craftsmanship. You know what? In our numbers today, King David, when he's talking before these men of what he is going to do to give, set up for Solomon to build this house, they said in today's numbers, it would be from 400 million to 1.2 billion dollars that he gave. So then he says this, now, who is willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord? He's asking, who's going to do this with me? The Bible says, Then the rulers of their father's household, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, and the commanders of thousands of hundreds with the overseers of the king's work offered willingly, and they raised another $1.8 billion to build the house of the Lord. How many of y'all believe the house of the Lord is important to God? Come on, how many of y'all believe it's still the house of the living God today? Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. That's what I want to do. This is going to be kind of out of text than we've done before. But I have mine right here. Come here, Mama. Or Pastor Randy. Your mama at the house. But we're here to tell you this. This is costing us something. But we believe in the house of God. I'm telling you, I believe in the house of God. I believe in the house of God. You know what I'm believing as you give today? And we're going to do it kind of out, out of the ordinary. I want to ask you all to come up here. We're going to put it right here at the altar here in just a minute. But I'm believing, I'm connecting my faith with you. That as we do this, there is kids that are going to get saved. They're going to get healed. We're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to believe that your grandkids will get saved, get healed, get filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that in this room as we begin to do this and as we pay off some things and, and, and have the ability to do other things, that there is leaders, that there is politicians and, and doctors and nurses and a next generation of people that are going to make a difference. Come on. Not only in Amarillo, Texas, but across the world. That the house of the living God is going to raise up warriors. That the house of the living God is going to raise up worshipers. That the house of the living God is going to raise up servants in the kingdom, but also in society today. Come on, who's with me this morning? That we're going to make a difference. That we're going to do something. We're going to do something. This, we're going to do this in faith. So I believe with all my heart that today... It's going to be groundbreaking. It's going to be faith-breaking. God's going to do something here today. Amen? Who's with me? 
Amen? So God, we thank you right now in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, as we give in faith, God, we pray that you are turning things around. I believe, God, right now for those that maybe have, need healing in their body, Lord, as they step out in faith, that it connects the faith, God, they need for the healing to take place in their life. I pray, Lord, as they give today in faith that you're turning marriages around, that you're restoring re relationships today in Jesus' name. God, that you're, you're moving mountains. You're setting people in the right place at the right time. So, God, today we say this. Who is willing to consecrate themselves with me today? Lord, we consecrate ourselves. And Lord, we give in faith in Jesus' name. If you have something, I want you to go ahead and come up here. And give. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.